Right, and we have kicked off. It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On, episode 53, I do believe. We're coming thick and fast each week from the Beer Up and Bands team. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, hit us up, giving you all the football content for the week. Myself, Ben English, as always with hosts, Cal, how you doing, sir? Very good, sir. How you doing, sir? Really good, man. Really good. And Ash, as always, how you doing, sir? What up, though? Good man, good man. Okay. Um, so on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a uh, recent game that Cal can sort of talk about in a moment about his Arsenal experience today. Um, if you're up with that, we've got fixtures and results from the Olympics. Obviously, the uh, Olympic Games has been taking part. And then we've got a number of general news as we end the show. No guests today, so just the three, the three amigos. We've got... Um, what three should we say? Three musketeers. The, three musketeers. <laughs> I was trying to think of Arsenal players, but um, we'll go with three musketeers. Um, oh, weird. They're, 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 they're ain't three good players between them. <laughs> nice and positive. That's what we like, man. Um, so, Cal, just quickly, I mean, you went to the Arsenal-Chelsea game today. It was a friendly. It was a, it was a busy. It was like 20,000 fans or so. It looked pretty packed. Um it, it, it was decent for a post-pandemic game, uh, an early post-pandemic game. Very decent turnout. And I'd like to think we could be the three new signings. Ben White, Sammy Lokonga, I don't know if I said his name properly, and Nuno Tavash, God knows if I said his name properly. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, it was exciting to see the new boys today, I'll tell you that much. And uh, I think the fans are going to get some glimpses of some real talent as the season goes along. Uh, Tavash in particular, he played really well after a team he took a little knock in the first half. Um, Tavash came on in the second half. Uh, ben White came on in the second half as well. Because it's a pre-season friendly, you know, you get this almost like a roll-on, roll-off kind of thing going on. Like, you just get loads of subs being made. Um, and we had so many subs coming at halftime. It was pretty much a whole new team in the second half. So I don't want to judge Arsenal on this result because it wasn't it was like two different teams playing but having said that both teams still lost to Chelsea <laughs> we lost the first half and we lost the second half but uh, it was just a great it's always a great time to go down to the Emirates uh, I did get a cheeky glimpse at um, Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV I saw him uh, sitting up in the uh, in the club level uh, seats um, I actually was in the second row First time I've ever been so close to the pitch at the Emirates. It was absolute bonkers. Like, I could reach out and touch a steward. I was that close. And, um, yeah, it was it was, it was was a good play. Like, the pitch looks fresh. Players actually looked kind of sharp. You know, like, sometimes in preseason, players can look really out of sorts. Like, they're not ready. Um, but they looked kind of sharp. Um, Orba missed an absolute like the ball was whipped in it was Tavash man I'm telling you that he looks like a real talent he was getting up and down the left well he looked hard to beat when players were trying to dribble past him and stuff and he whipped in an excellent ball all Orba had to do was direct it you know when the cross comes in with all of the whip and the pace in the world and all you need to do mm. is just direct it and he's fluffed it so you know and we can see there's a terrible goal uh Leno mess was messing around with some back pop, some passing around at the back. Ah, oh, it's it is like the same old messy defensive mistakes that you've seen from Arsenal. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that things are going to look good going forward because the new signs look decent. That Lokonga, 
the way he like he likes spraying the balls from midfield. Like he looks like he's gonna be a talent. Um, and Ben White, he's, he, he put in, he made one great block tackle that was pretty good. He made a couple of mistakes, but it's early days yet. But I think we've already seen him play at Leeds and at Bryan, so we know he's a quality player. I'm ex- I'm excited for the future, man. I think it's gonna be good. Nice, nice. Starting as they mean to go on with the mistakes and uh, Aubameyang missing us uh, the header. Um, and I know they've got Spurs coming up with this sort of little London friendly with a uh, full shift team. Some issues with Partey. Uh, well, it looks like yeah, he got an injury as well. Four to six weeks, arguably, people are saying sort of online. So watch this space. We can't lose him with our Arsenal's running at the beginning of the season. So um, how did it feel, Cal? And it's what I'll touch on the next subject in a second after this, but how did it feel to sort of go with all the fans and with, with sort of COVID being about and face masks and everything. How was that? Um, definitely nice being with the fans. Um, got chatting to the fans uh, next to me. Um, there was one guy who came from Belfast, he said. Um, and, uh, you know, he had to go and get a flight off right after the game. So um, he kind of left right after the game to go and get his flight. And then um, there was a girl sitting on the other side. He said she was from Wolverhampton. Mm. Um, so it's, it's nice to get a few different people in in the place. Um, vibes is always there when you go to to the Emirates. Uh, the circumstances were a bit strange. I had to go and get one of those um, lateral flow tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, because when Arsenal sent me the tickets, they kind of sent a little email that said you may be asked if you. Uh, you know, have the the track and trace app, and if you have passed a lateral flow test within the last forty eight hours and stuff, and I was like, well, that kind of threw me off, took me off guard a little bit because I hadn't done a lateral flow test before, and I didn't even have the bloody track and trace. I didn't really look into any of this stuff, so I had to look at, look into it all. I got my test. I wasn't sick before I took the test, but I bloody felt sick after. <laughs> that thing made me gag. That was absolutely gross. Um, yeah. Sticking that thing up my nose and, and all sorts. But, you know, um, got the negative test result, went down the stadium. They didn't even bloody ask me for my test results when I went in there. Um, But I do think it was a good uh, measure, like at least to actually just put it out in the broadcast and email everybody, because there's bound to be thousands of people just like me who thought, oh, God, I better go and get a test and see, you know, because I might not be able to get in the stadium. And then inadvertently, they've kind of influence everyone to just check and make sure that they don't have COVID-19 because if you do the test and you find out you're positive you can't really still go to the game can you? Yeah, yeah. I think moving forward that's what needs to be done with fans. I mean, the first article we got is uh, this pandemic could COVID-19 ruin the start of the new football season? There's still sort of uncertainty with what's going to go on and I think people doing the uh, lateral flow tests um, if you, you know, even if you have been double vaxxed, you know, you've had the jabs or whatnot, just to be precautious and sort of wear your masks, uh, keep washing your hands where you can. So it was interesting that they, they've been trialing yeah. it here with two, yeah. you know, two, two of the biggest clubs in London. I'll tell you, I did, I did exactly that. I, I, I did my test. I used the uh, antibacterial wipe and then I got on the tube and I went to the game. Um, so not antibacterial wipe, you know, with the little pump with the alcohol in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then I went, to, and then I went to the game with a negative test straight away. So I think that's quite a good way for people to be able to do it. Um, and I think Arsenal actually setting a good example that other Premier League clubs can follow. Good man. Oh, wiki man. Um, Ash, I don't think we've got anything to add to the Corona Eleven. Um, no. Interesting no, with the Olympics as well. Like any players, I haven't heard of any players 
um, from the football teams getting it, unless unless I'm mistaken. So, uh, well done, Cal, and all the Arsenal Chelsea fans that went. Hopefully, it was a good day. Well, it wasn't for Arsenal because of bloody party injury they lost, and the man that they're trying to get rid of scores with Saka, which is which is which is um you know conflicting interest of Arsenal fans. Some people want him to stay, other people want to get rid of him. Um, so watch this space. Um, touching on the Olympics, um, I've been watching the Olympics loads. Um, there's been loads of entertaining sort of the sprints, loads of stories with the BMX, uh, with the boxing, and uh, the football has been uh, has been right there. I watched a game the other day was uh, Richarlison quick hat trick for Brazil. They're looking tasty. Um, so and I know we've got Spain here. Looking strong. Any games, guys, that you've seen or noticed? I'm going to go Ashen and Cal. Just quick, quick view on the Olympic Games and fixtures. Sort of, what's your views on it? I'm taking a break from football, so I haven't watched a single minute of the the Olympic football. Um, the season kicks off in what two weeks with their charity shield next week, so I'll pick up football next week. And that's the mm. honest truth. I'm not really into that uh, Olympic football, so I haven't seen anything. Um, <clears throat> me personally. I've been trying to catch the Olympics, but I've missed loads of events. And regarding the football, I just saw some highlights of Spain versus Ivory Coast, which I thought was a pretty cool match. Um, talking about just kind of wanting to go back to, to COVID real quick. Um, I've seen that they've got a COVID-19 positive case list from the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. So if anyone, <clears throat> excuse me, anyone wants to go and check out and see who's been getting COVID in the Olympics, that's available on the Olympics website. Website. We're tracking everyone who's positive. Um, and it is kind of looking a bit crazy over there because uh, there's a, an article here that says um, Tokyo's daily COVID cases hit a record high during the Olympics. And that, that's just come out yesterday on Al Jazeera. But yeah, in terms of the football, um, this guy, Rafa Mir, I never heard of him before. He's not someone that's been on my radar. Um, you know, I think Spain didn't have the greatest European championship. And with the Olympics, obviously, the teams in the Olympics are, you know, not the top, top, top national sides, are they? They're like an under-23 team with some youngsters in there and then maybe one or two elder statesmen to guide them along. Um, and so looking at that Spain team, uh, looking at the game, um, Cote d'Ivoire were pretty much 2-1 up and about to win the game. They scored like in the last minute of the game. And then Spain equalised again in injury time in the, like, the last minute of the game. And then in extra time, they went and scored another three goals and ended up winning 5-2. It's the most bonkers result. Um, and this guy, Rafa Mir, scored a hat-trick. Um, so he might be one to watch out for from uh, the Spanish national team. Um, you know, Pedri was in the side. Um, Asensio, uh, Danny Olmo played in the Euros. Um, so there's a few big names. Um, Eric Garcia as well. Um, and yeah, so maybe uh, maybe this guy's going to be one to watch out for. Mm, there was um, the footage of Ivory Coast. There was like people saying that uh, Eric, Bailey, Eric Bailey, the Man United player, that caused the mistake for the late equaliser, but I don't know if you could sort of say that was it, shocking. Is that the one with the, his, his teammate headed it up in the air and then barely like sort of let it drop? Oh, and just let the ball bounce. You can't let the ball bounce. You got to 
either head that or kick it or just get yourself to the and get it out of the area. They let it bounce and then Spain kind of just capitalised on the ball and put it in the back of the... It was, it was a shocking defensive error. A couple of their goals came from shocking defensive errors, but being an Arsenal fan that just came from the Arsenal game, I can't really talk about shocking defensive errors, can I? <laughs> That's it. Um, nice bit of banter between Brazil and Argentina. So, uh, goodbye, little brothers. Brazilian footballers mock Argentina for their early Olympic exit. There's constant need or constant banter between these two countries. And uh, they're obviously neighbours and sort of at each other constantly in the Copa America, having played in the final and um, producing, you know, a handful of the greatest football players of all time, you could say, you know, they uh, with some of their players. So it was an interesting bit of banter, the players waving goodbye, saying, you know, goodbye, little brother. I was surprised there was no Great Britain team for the men's this season. I mean, they could have played an under-23s or, you know, a youth team and, and then put some academy players through. Do you think that's just down to the amount of football that's been played? I think like? so. I think so. It's been such an onslaught of Premier League, yep. the lockdown, then the season starting, then Euros. And I think, I mean, it would have been, they couldn't put an amateur team, but, you know, a younger team would have been good. Um, I mean, they've got enough countries to choose from, isn't it? Great Britain's, uh, the, you know, the four countries involved. Um, I think it kind of worked out because I feel like someone like um, Emil Smith-Rowe would have been brought up into that conversation. Mm. And obviously, like you want to protect him for what we're hoping to do this season, which is probably finish eighth. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like it would have done probably more damage than it would have done good yeah, um, at I this know. stage. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these players who come back from the Olympics, how they're feeling, you know, whether they can get in to their team and hit the ground running. But um, watch this space. I just I just found a, an article from iNews, which I think is the Independent. Um, they're online, one of the online brands, and um, they. <laughs> There's a strange opinion here that says the three home nations from Team GB were worried that releasing their players for international duty could compromise their position as independent nations within FIFA. I mean, without reading it, I don't really know what to make of that. But it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of a political situation going on there. Mm. Um, they, had a team, they had a team at London 2012. But maybe that was the exception because they had it was to a home Olympics. Hosting it, yeah. So yeah, maybe there is something in that. Right, it should be interesting to see how it unfolds. Right. Um, so in general news, we've got uh, got to say our condolences here to sad deaths in the world of football. Uh, we'll go with the young Ajax player Noah Gisa. Hope I pronounced that right. Uh, dies in a car uh, car accident at the age of only 16 man wow such a young such a young talent has been taken from us uh, Ajax have announced that their youth player has died at the age of 16 um, and there'll be a minute silence uh, during some of the games to sort of you know memory him and um, between Ajax 1 and young Ajax on Saturday um, such a young young loss such a great talent uh, which is sad to see, man. Sad to hear. Yeah. I don't really know too much on it yet, but thoughts and condolences go out to Noah Gisa. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it? G E double S E R. I don't want to mispronounce yeah, it. Yeah, and just to, and, and just to add in, I think his brother passed away as well. So was he in the so, car as well? Yeah. Yeah. So like, just imagine what the family's going through right now. So like, prayers and thoughts to them. Yeah. Sad news, man. Sad news. 
Um, especially, well, in any situation is sad, but I know in Ajax, with the way they have their youth set up, um, if anyone's seen the documentary Raising Ajax, where they show about the youth system and the education and just implementing life skills, and it's like a real family uh, togetherness at Ajax, bringing everyone up, and you know they, they, we all know the players they've produced over the years and have gone on to great things, and even those that haven't gone on to great, great things still continue to be solid players and good individuals. So sad, sad loss in the world of football. Um, another loss in football. Uh, former Leeds defender Terry Cooper dies at the age of 77. Uh, Terry Cooper won 20 caps for England, played 351 times for Leeds between 1964 and 1975. Um, also uh, scored a winning goal in 1968 League Cup final against Arsenal. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he played a part in the club's first division title in 1970, uh, 1969, beg your pardon. So another loss. Um, Ashley, you've got family that support Leeds. Yeah, um, I'm sure they'll be sad to sort of see a, a Leeds legend go. And um, thoughts and condolences go out to Terry Cooper with his family. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know who exactly the idols were from like my, my dad and my uncle, but I'm sure he would have figured prominently in their thoughts or when they were cheering them on back in the day. So, yeah, it's always a shame whenever someone kind of passes away. So, again, thoughts and condolences to, to, to their family as well. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. And uh, as always, if anyone's sort of going for anything, you know, play on. We always encourage you to talk, to phone someone, to, you know, be safe and, and chat. And as blokes as well, I'm sure we've got women listeners as well, but as blokes, I think it's important to to speak about things, get it out in the open, write it down, do whatever you've got to do to get out your system and, uh, you know, give people their flowers and celebrate life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, be positive, man. Be positive. Right, moving on, moving on. I've not lost my notes here. Was it about heading? Heading the ball. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to find the exact link. In that. There we go. Cal's amazing notes. Um, I mean... You guys, both being players, you know, having played 11 aside, eights, played at school, college, whatever for teams. What are your views on heading the ball for one? And do you agree with this uh, sort of restriction of uh, a guidance of 10 headers per week in training? It's like, how are they going to enforce this? You know, sort of an interesting view to, to sort of, uh, mental health and head injuries. Um, Cal, I'll start with you sort of being a, a defender, solid player at the back. <laughs> I don't know how solid. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> thanks for the compliment. Um, I, I remember seeing uh, Chris Sutton campaigning for this kind of a thing. And, um, you know, being a defender, uh, it's funny because I was actually the kind of player who would try and take the ball down um, and and actually play football instead of actually heading the ball all the time. That was probably my problem being a, a, a centre-back. I should probably be straight away like onto everything in the air. And I just wasn't that kind of player. But for players that are, um, you know, it's it, I, I guess it's akin to boxing, where you're kind of going to be taking blows to the head all day long. And if you speak to any doctor, they're probably going to tell you it's not a good idea to be having an impact to your head all day, every day. 
over a long period of time, months, years, a whole career, 10, 20 years of doing that, you're probably going to lose some brain cells. It's probably not going to be good for you. So, you know, I don't know the exact science. Um, I haven't read this article in depth. Um, but just from my opinion, I can I could say, you know, there's there's probably something in that, you know, maybe we shouldn't have players head in the ball all the time. But I do think the sensible thing to do would be to follow the science. If there's some practical measures that, you know, doctors and sports scientists can say maybe there should be, you know, uh, no more than 10 headers per week or, um, you know, a maximum amount, minimum amount, whatever it is then that's what I think is probably going to be sensible to follow. Um, yeah, heading for me has been, it's been, it's been, it's been a bit crazy. I, I think I scored like one header in my entire career and my eyes were closed and I think the ball hit me. Um, but no, so I've had two, I wouldn't say serious injuries from headers, but I've had to get stitches. Um, once when I went up for a header, clash heads and it, I've still got the scar like in the middle of my forehead. And another where I flipped the ball on and someone's come and hit me in the temple and I was out for like 10 minutes and had to go to hospital to get a, to get a check. So I'm, I'm acutely aware of just how dangerous heading can be, um, especially when it comes to, I think we talk heading the balls one aspect of it. But when you go out for a header, there's all the chance of clashing heads with someone else. Mm. Um, and I just kind of feel like that you have to probably make the effort to try to limit stuff, but how you actually execute it is very, very difficult because there's lots of headers that don't have incidents, but we have seen a very serious one. So um, Raul Jimenez had a, a really bad head injury after um, colliding with da- David Luiz. And I think he scored his first goal this weekend since coming back from that injury. And he was out for like nine to 10 months. So I think we, we do have to be a little bit more aware of what happens with heading. I think it's maybe something that they can trial. I wouldn't necessarily say we should definitely be doing this. Maybe they should extend the trial a bit longer, see how it does, and then essentially take it from there. That's something that I would probably do, do a bit more, do a bit more of an extended trial on it before trying to implement it. But because mm. it like can be said, really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's more the, the head being in mm. positions where you're going to get kicked or clash your heads um i think obviously now with technology the balls are a lot lighter and they're made from different materials back in the day when they were so hard heading would have been a massive issue um and i think we've got in this art sorry to cut you there but i was just gonna say uh we've got in this article i think this is one of yours ben from the uh, guardian um saying that you know higher force headers have been defined in the joint statement by the authorities as typically headers following a long pass more than 35 meters or from crosses, corners and free kicks. So that's specifically um, what they're kind of looking to clamp down on. So the low force headers aren't so bad, but the, the higher force headers, somebody whips in a ball and now you're going to go and really wind your neck back and, and really get your head onto that. You know, they, they kind of want to restrict that to 10 higher force headers a week in training. Um, and, you know, and, and they say there's a risk of dementia and, and, you know, maybe other health risks associated with regularly heading the ball. And then there's another article linked there that says, you know, it's got a picture of Gareth Southgate on it. And it's and it says that, you know, he thinks football is still in the dark about the long term risk of heading a ball. So it just seems like, you know, it, it's worth looking into this to see what 
the true long-term impacts might be and if this might have a positive effect on the health of our footballers. Mm. Well, as yeah, it said, a study at University of Glasgow a few years ago found former footballers were three and a half times more likely to die of neuro- neurological degenerative disease or neurodegenerative disease. Um, and there's players in the past whose deaths have been linked to head in. I think in a game, you can't cut it out completely. I mean, maybe that's what Eric Bailey was thinking when he was like, he didn't want to head the ball. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Aubameyang needs to practice on his heading, man. Um, but he's uh, practiced on everything at the moment. He's uh, stopped getting haircuts. Composing <laughs> with like Stormzy and AJ Tracy, he thinks he's a rapper. Anyway, um, I think teaching younger players, young boys and girls on grassroots level to, to keep the ball on the ground, um, and then sort of you know the heading thing. It can't hurt, shy away from that. And, you know, you want to play the ball on the ground and play, you know, the right way, inverted commas. Um, but in a game, you're going to go off instinct. If the ball's there, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to go with your head, aren't you? Just off instinct to go for the ball. So um, how are they going to monitor it? How are they going to restrict it? How are they going to sort of keep an eye on it? Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many sort of headers get scored in the next uh, up and cut. How many head injuries rather, not goals, but head injuries. Um, and that's really good news about Jimenez. That he's back. Yeah, it's good to have him back. Yeah, good for your fantasy football team, but we won't talk about it just yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've not even... Two weeks, not, two weeks. Not, <laughs> not even thought about it. Not even thought about it. Not even thought about it. Mm, got to get the leagues fired up soon enough. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, as we're talking coaching, I want to go into this article. So I'm jumping around slightly, so forgive me, guys. But we've got... Uh, some great news with football coaches Lee uh, Carsley and Ashley Cole, England's uh, most decorated FA Cup uh, winner and arguably, you know, England's best ever defender, uh, announced as the new England under-21 coaching team, um, having moved up from the under-20s uh, and also the Chelsea Academy. So this is a great, great move, especially for Ashley Cole. You know, he's He's been there, he's done it, he's won it all and sort of on a on a club level and then to be taking the reins with Lee uh Carsley, sorry. Did I say Carlo? Lee Carsley, sorry. Um for under twenty ones is is a good move. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress. Obviously England under twenty one didn't do too well in the recent championships, uh under A D Boothroyd. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um Ash and then Cal, what are your thoughts on the new coaching setup for England? Listen, I don't know how A.D. Bruford lasted in a job for that long. Like, he's been awful. Like, and let's not pretend that there's not, like, a lot of talent in, in the youth setup in England. For them to not get through to certain stages and not be really pushing on to be winning honours there, I think it's I think it's a, it's a lot down to kind of his his lack of management skills. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to freshen it up. I think Carsley, I don't really know much about what he's done. Ashley Cole presents himself all right on the TV. But I feel like on a one, to, he does seem someone who I think would be better on a one-to-one rather than say on the, the on, on on the media circuit. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like I think the only way is up. Like England's under-21 teams have have definitely like flattered to the sea for a little while. Um, obviously now the the men's team have kind of been showing some level of progression. So it's really important to protect that pipeline, get the right players up. And um, yeah, I'm surprised Jody Morris wasn't linked in with that as well because he done so well with Chelsea's youngsters. I thought maybe he might be in the running for that, but maybe that's a job that comes in the future for him. But um, yeah, no, it's a good, it's a, it's, it's a good positive move. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to to, to add to that. Um, I do think Ashley Cole is 
you know, I've seen him speaking on TV recently and I'm starting to, to see that he is a very good football mind. And uh, I, I'm sure that he'll have a lot of experience that he can pass on mm. to the next generation. Lee Carsley, I can barely remember him as a player. Did he play for Wigan or something? No, he was at Everton for a while. Um, who else was he at? He was central midfielder, very British in a lot of what he could do. Had had the odd, <laughs> very like, British. Like, yeah, had the odd pass in him. Um, liked to get into like kind of combats, couple of scraps every now and then. Mm. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not terrible. He was never terrible, but like he's the epitome of the British centre midfielder in maybe like the early two thousands. Mm, that's fair enough. I'm um, just just looking at this. I have Jody Morris in talks over manager's job with MK Dons. Okay. Or, uh, so. Uh, uh, and discussions with Swansea over the management vacancy at the Liberty Stadium so it looks like he wants to take a step yeah, forward yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's why I thought I thought that he might be prime for it based off of what he's done like kind of done the whole kind of Lampard understudy and would go for it so if he's going for those jobs it kind of makes sense because I still feel like he could do those jobs and then go back to England yeah it looks like he's taking a job or wants to take a job in the uh, championship uh, of first division so good luck to Joe Demoris and good luck to Carsley and um, Ashley Cole who you know he's gonna he's, he's played with the, you know some of the best in the Prem um, and for England so he's gonna have lots to offer and the players will look up to them him especially I think now trying to motivate these youngsters who are so rich and have it all you know at their disposal to try and encourage them to be like right you can get into the first team you can play in the world cup you can play in the euros just look at Saka look at Luke Shaw and and it's all been proven that players that gel well together in tournaments and they stick them together the under 16s 17s 18s etc then go on to do well in other tournament football in the the men's team because they've, they've gone through the experience and I think over the years we were lacking that as a nation um, you look at the, the German Spain. and Spanish, yeah, and and these these boys learn to travel. They learn to play tournament football. They learn, you know, it's a two week period, and then that then gets them on to the next tournament. And as they get older and older, so it should be really interesting to see. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What what kind of style do you think Ashley Cole will have as a coach? I'm I'm wondering if maybe these guys have a contrasting style, and that's why they will work together as a team. Now like maybe uh maybe Carsley's gonna be you know the tracksuit manager kind of doing all of the drills and and the motivating, and then Andy Cole Ashley Cole's gonna be more of a suit wearing type of guy that's a bit far removed from the squad. No, I more. reckon he's gonna be. I reckon Ashley Cole's gonna sort of more personal player one to one. Like he he's probably more relatable to the players, um, and. Will be able to get his views across and coaching. If you think he's he's had who's he had under his wing, he's had like Mourinho and Wenger. So he's definitely going to borrow from them guys. And did he was he under Ancelotti him? as well? Ancelotti, Ancelotti, and, um, Ancelotti as well. I think he'll be he'll be honest, but on a on a personal level, they'll, 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 they'll I think he'll be quite progressive in his style. I think he'll try to like play front foot football. Definitely, <clears> definitely. Getting his point across as well. I don't think he'll sugarcoat it. He'll just be mm. straight up. Um. Right, I'm looking forward to it. Right, moving forward, um, I maybe should have touched on this with the Olympic uh, football, but USA men's national team backs women counterparts in equal pay lawsuit appeal. Um, this is basically 
the United States Soccer Federation uh, markets the United States men's and women's national teams under the slogan One Nation, One Team. Um, and it's an argument that women, you know, should be paid the same, should be equal rights, equal pay. Um, there's an argument for both, for and against. Um, and they're looking to seek $66 million in damage, damage under the Equal Pay Act. Wow. So I'm all for equal pay. I'm all for equal opportunity. Obviously, having a young daughter, if she ever gets into football, you know, I want her to make her dad rich so I don't have to work anymore. So, uh, yeah, pay up. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think maybe Ash might know a bit more about women's football than I do. But isn't like the American Women's League like the best uh, women's league in women's football? And isn't the American national team like kind of by far the number one national team in women's football? So they're a very good national team. They're a very good national league. They are an exceptional national team. Um, I know Sweden are very good. Um, I think Brazil had a history of like, having some exceptional players and, and were very good as well. Actually, in an article, there was an argument for the um, women's team to be paid more um, as a result of, of their offset success. Um, but yeah, I think I think equality is is right. Um, I think they, I think especially, this is going to sound a bit mad, but I think especially in this scenario, I think there could actually be a, an argument for the women to be paid more because they are a consistent like success and as a result they should pay more like the premier league men's league is paid more than the wsl because of the advertising um the 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 quality of the um package that's kind of put out there right and i think as much as some of the 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 females would say we should be paid equally. I think they can see the difference in the quality. I think we can see the difference in the quality with the women to the men. So I wouldn't be, I, I would be an advocate for them having delivered a higher quality to receive a, a bigger portion of the pie. I'm glad you brought up that point to kind of compare the kind of domestic professional leagues with the, the national football. Because I think it is a totally different scenario, like how you mentioned with advertising and sponsorships. So if there's, you know, billions in terms of advertising and sponsorships in the men's domestic game, then I do think that money is in the game and that money should go to the men's players, right? But mm. if you look at the women's domestic game and they don't have billions because, you know, they're not getting McDonald's and they're not getting Pepsi and they're not getting billions from these big firms, then maybe they're getting millions then the money isn't in their game to give them the equal pay, is it? Yeah. But at the national team level, I think it's, you know, the money comes from the FA, doesn't it? Like the Football Association pays the men and then pays the women. And, and I think the problem is the women are saying, you know, we're winning, like, you know, we're winning the World Cup, we're winning, you know, whatever titles there is to win. And we should be getting paid more than what the men are getting paid because yeah. they're not, winning all the trophies that we win, they're not as successful as we are um so yeah i think there is an argument to be made there and I honestly i hope they get that guap yeah no facts the more money that comes into it uh the women are only going to benefit and, and the leagues are going to benefit so equal pay equal pay i wonder how they're getting on in the olympic team as well they're in the semis yeah are they on for the gold yeah, for the gold. I have to start watching it now. Women's football has been improving as well, so 
It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Right, talking of women's football, we've got uh, Tottenham women signed ex-Arsenal forward on a two-year deal, and I'm going to try and pronounce this because I think Cal pronounced it before, but uh, Chioma Ubogagu uh, has scored one goal in three England appearances. The 28-year-old has jumped ship and has gone uh, from playing in the United States for Houston Dash and Orlando Pride uh, and then moving on to Real Madrid and now signing for Tottenham Women. So more coverage for the women's game here. Um, probably not Judas. as much. <laughs> Judas. Judas as, as Sol, Sol Campbell. Um, is this not even... still controversial? I know she's had nah. a couple of clubs in between, but is it not controversial to leave Spurs? Mm, no. and not anymore, Spurs? man. Not anymore, man. I think I think Sol Campbell in that era and before, yeah. But now players are players have just got to do what they got to do and. I wouldn't hold anyone. <clears throat> you've got a short career as a footballer. Um, and you've got to get out money and secure your family's, you know, your future and whatnot. So who, who's the most Arsenal player you can think of? What, right Smith, now? Smith Rowe or Saka. Saka, yeah. If man was to, to sign for Spurs, I mean, he wouldn't, obviously, because Spurs are dead, but and Arsenal are dead as well, but um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. Uh, would I be broken? Mm, I think now, man, get your money. Get your money up, young man. I don't think it's a thing anymore, Cal. Do you think it's a, you know, still holds weight? People jump in. Well, yeah, that's why I mentioned it, man. I honestly, as a fan, I don't like to see that kind of thing. I, obviously, when we signed Sol Campbell, we welcomed him with both arms, didn't we? Top quality player <laughs> uh, and nicked him from the rivals. It's so sweet when you get that player. But from the other side of it, obviously, he took a whole lot of stick. From Spurs fans, that was something that lasted for the rest of his career. Still getting stick. There was something the other day oh, on yeah. social media on WhatsApp where some bloke's giving him shit. He'll get like, stick forever, won't he? He'll always like, be remembered as Jude. Get over it, man. Get over it. Spurs fans are bitter. I think if Spurs fans had won something, then they wouldn't be banging on about Sol Campbell. But it is the history of the Tottenham. <laughs> it's the history of the England. <laughs> To change that, but um, yeah, good to see, good to see some movement in the transfer window with the women's game. Talking of transfer movement, Aston Villa have been active, already spending that Jack Grealish money. You know, you know, you know when you get like a work bonus or you get Christmas money, you get some money, but you know it's coming, and before you've even got it, you've already spent it in your head. You're like, right, I'm gonna spend this much on clothes, I'm gonna get a haircut, I'm gonna do this. It's sort of like oh, Aston Villa are spending it. They got Bundia and now they've got Leon Bailey set for Premier League move after Bayer Leverkusen agreed to sell winger. I think this is a great signing for them. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Man City opening up talks with Jack Grealish. Seeing as the Harry Kane thing might not be happening, probably isn't happening now or just yet. Um, and yeah, adding more quality to their team. Villa are looking solid, man. They're doing a lot of business early, which we like to see. What's your thoughts on Bailey to Villa, Rash? Um, yeah, I think it's a good signing. I think, obviously, the coming to a new league, it'll be good to see what he is. I think there's still a little bit of... There's still elements of his game that need to be kind of refined. Um, I think it's a good club, considering what they've done. They've, they've mm-hmm. signed very, very well. They, they cemented their spot last year. My big worry for them is that... Um, Villa were doing really well until Jack Grealish got injured. And the moment he got injured, they kind of fell off, of, fell off a cliff and weren't quite the same. So if he's being pitched to be the replacement, 
I think that then changes the dynamic of the transfer because if he comes in and maybe someone else comes in and then Grealish goes, it's one thing. But if he comes in directly as a result of Grealish going, I think a lot of people will then see him as a replacement and want, and there'll be even more pressure on him to kind of Mm. develop and and, and, and and build into that role, especially if he plays off of the left-hand side. So um, I think he'll do well, but I do think the circumstances will will determine maybe how well he's perceived as a sign-in. Mm. So I big, like big, him. I think he's a quality shoes. player. And um, I didn't know that he could have played for England and uh, and he chose Jamaica, but he's, you know, he, had, he was eligible to play for England, which is kind of a bit of a shame because he's lightning quick He's got a quality left foot, and I guess I guess he could compete. I guess he would have been competing with Saka, I suppose, when I look back on it now. But a left-footed left winger, I don't think we really. I think he's got something that we don't have in England. Mm, I think big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. If anyone is coming in, you know, Jack Grealish's um, local lad, captain. Um, it was their talisman last season, and. Uh, Whoever sort of replaces him will have big shoes to fill. But I think Villa, I really like Villa last season. And um, yeah, should be good to see how he gets in. Lots of pace, lots of pace on the wings. Bundy is a solid signing. Very good signing. Yeah, very good signing. Arsenal are in contention, but obviously got beat into the punch there. Yeah, Villa aren't messing about. They're probably going for, do you reckon they're going for top six? Going for it? Not necessarily going to get it, but. Yeah, they gotta be. You got you gotta be aim 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 as high as possible. They've, they've secured up their defence a bit more, and um, yeah, staying in the Premier League, innit? Get get into the Premier League is one thing, but staying up there for a few seasons is is the real test. So good luck to Villa fans. Um, cool. Right, another signing. This is a really good signing as well. Um, Ariola, who was on loan last season from PSG to Fulham, has now uh, signed for West Ham. Only 28. Well, sort of surplus to requirements in Paris, and he did did okay in the Premier. Fulham, I can't remember him sort of playing too poorly. I mean, he had a shaky, not even a shaky defence, maybe like naive or you know new team up, and the way they played, they were exposed a lot of the time. Um, and it uh, looks like he's going to be competition for Lucas Fabianski, who's 36. Wow, that makes us feel old. Flapianski, Mr. Is he, that, is he that old? Wow. Mr. Mr. Fantasy Premier League goalie. <laughs> um, this will be a good addition to them as they're playing in Europe as well, aren't they? So they, they need as much, much rotation support as possible. And um, yeah, good signing for me for a keeper. I like Ariola. Um, I know this wasn't in the notes, but what are you guys uh, thinking about Rafael Varane signing for Man United? Good signing. Good signing. I think. I mean, the money. Well, the Man United have got the money to spend. Um, I think there's a lot of sort of add-ons with his salary, but you're getting, you know, an experienced defender, World Cup winner, Champions League. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to the prem and the pace. But he's got Maguire, who I didn't know, but got like in the team of the you know team of the world. Did he get no team of the world cup? But he like team of the Euros. Yeah, team of the Euros, team of the world cup. He wasn't he wasn't better than Stones. He's a better defender than Stones, but he's not better on the ball. 
but he wasn't better in a tournament than Stones. We know how much you love Stones, Ash. So maybe we'll I take know, that with a pinch of salt. No, I'm not gonna lie. It sounds every day. I think every every podcast I mentioned, but he wasn't better than him. Like in us, remember he played five games. Stone played seven. Like I th- he didn't concede a goal in in open play for the whole time, mm. and he was a big part of that. Remember they shifted from the three to the two. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I do rate Maguire. Actually, he's gone up in my estimation, exactly. not just because of his sick penalty, but <laughs> that was a penalty. No. Genuinely, because I think like he is he is good, and I think him and Varane as a partnership is very good. You know, I was speaking to I was speaking to Seth, um, and he reckons United are going to do it this year. He really thinks United, and we'll get him on the pod definitely. But he reckons United are going to actually do it this year with the right kind of signings. I think Varane's a big signing. I think Sancho's a big signing. If they can get like a very good defensive midfielder, they might they might be set for a real challenge. Mm. I think McTominay will push on. I mean, Rashford being injured for a while can't help. Um, let's see if Martial's got his uh, black gloves on or if he's left them at home. I wonder uh, if Rashford being injured could be a blessing in disguise because that could allow Sancho to shine even more. It's a lot of pace. It's a lot of pace. But the Varane signing is, I know people are saying, oh, the, the French league is Farmers League. and um, But man, uh, he's done it, but he's done it at the highest level and he'll bring um, quality that, you know, you might not always see. And, and also an aura of winning things in the dressing room, like I was just saying about Seth, Seth Combo saying, um, they could go into win, you know. They could do thing, big things this season. He he's a winner, and you need winners in your team. Paul Pogba's a winner. You, you you've got players that have been there, have crossed the line. You know what I mean? Have got the medal, and you need that mentality. And uh, Man United are a, a big club, arguably the biggest club in England. So um, that's a good signing. It'd be interesting to see how he does. What's your thoughts, Gal? How do you think he's going to get on? Um, well, just like um, Seth is saying, I do think that Man United are going to be strong this season. You know, I think they looked good last season. I'm not so sure about Solskjaer getting offered a new contract and everything. I do think perhaps there is a better football manager out there than only Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, that would take the club like Manchester United to the next level. Whether Oli is that guy or not, I don't know. But he certainly has a serious squad at his disposal. I see a very like if you look at the quality that they have in the first team and then the young players coming through, um, and the squad, you know, just sort of like backup players, like you know, um, wow, they they should be able to compete. Should be able to. Yeah, it's the manager. Well, it's the manager, isn't it? Like you said, have they got the right manager to win? the high pressure games to win the finals to to get them through the tough periods of the season where they were drawing or they weren't picking up points and um, I don't know I don't know if he's got it but I think Sir Alex Ferguson could win the league with the current Manchester United team yeah but this is I mean Ferguson won the league with some average teams and exactly <laughs> is Solskjaer better than Arteta wow yes <laughs> Yes, he is. I didn't think it before, but he definitely is. No. I mean, he's got more at his disposal, and he's got yeah. Pains me to say that he, he he very well could be. Um, there was an interesting. I think this was on Talksport or debate about who's going to get sacked first, Arteta or Patrick Vieira, and this is maybe one for 
our guest that we were going to have um, is a Crystal Palace fan, but that'll be, uh, I wonder what Arteta's odds are to be sacked. <laughs> Listen to us, man. It's one friendly at Chelsea. We're really talking about Arteta. I don't think it's just one friendly, though. I think it's just, I think it's just actually, I think it's like two or three years yeah, of, course. of of real decline. And when I talk to people outside of Arsenal looking at us, it's not even the same banter anymore. It's genuine pity. Yeah. Like we're so, they're looking at they're looking at what we're doing, like who we're linked with. And it is, it's just like, right, you guys are once great. And Liverpool had this for one stage. Remember when they had like Jay Spearin and and those guys? And I think it's just before like Brendan Rodgers came in and he mm. like got them up and then obviously after that it that went down and then Klopp came up. So this really is the, like the the nadir for Arsenal at the moment. So would you expect like you can't be? I'm not looking forward to this season at all as an Arsenal fan. Uh, and I I normally have a little bit of optimism. Yeah. But it's this is the worst it's ever been. They tried to gas us with the new kits, didn't they? That that yellow and the blue and the. Well, this is the thing that like, we've had the we've had that one like the best kits for like three or four years. But what's the point in having the best kit and having like one of the deadest teams? I think that last season was one. most definitely the worst Arsenal team I've ever seen. When you look at the results and where we finished, um, but I'm hopeful, man. I, I I think there's always hope, and I look at I'm I'm looking at catalyst. I'm looking at you know how a player can transform a whole team's fortunes, as we saw when Van Dijk went into Liverpool. Um, you know, I do think that Ben White, not saying that he's a player on the level of Virgil van Dijk, but I do think that he can be a crucial player for us and he can be a catalyst for us to improve, specifically because of the amount of mistakes that we've made. We made another one today with trying to play the ball out of the back and with having Ben White in there, he's a player who's comfortable on the ball. And I do think if we can get Ben White next to Gabriel, you know, uh, that's going to solve a lot of our problems defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but as always, Arsenal just one injury, well, like most teams, but one injury away and it's, it's curtains. Um, one player who was world-class and uh, everyone has sort of fond memories um although not if you're Arsenal Champions League final, but Samuel Eto'o recently in an interview when referen- when regarding, in asked about Lionel Messi, uh, rather than saying he played with Lionel Messi, he replied, he played with me. And he shuts down reporter when asked what it was like to play with Lionel Messi. Um, I don't have any issues with Samuel Eto'o saying this. I think, you know, Samuel Eto'o, holds himself in high esteem, as you should as a striker, as you should as a, as a Barcelona legend. Um, and, you know, you've got to see yourself as the best. And also, Messi was just sort of coming up uh, through the ranks there. But um, yeah, I was asked to give his thoughts on rising star Ansu Fati and what it must be like for the teenager to play with Messi. But the Cameroon stopped the report in his tracks. The report asked, you talk about Messi, but what can Fatty learn from Messi? You obviously played with him. In response, Etu said, no, he played with me. It is different. Messi played with me. I did not play with Messi. In my time, Messi played with me. It is totally different. It is totally different. Wow. I respect it. You have to. You have to. No, because I think, like, don't get me wrong, like, the Messi loving from me is, is like, huge. But he did come in after him. He came into the team. Um, like Etu was established like a world class striker at the time. 
Mm. And yeah, they both played well and they created um, an amazing um, team from 0809, that um, Pep Guardiola's first team, whereas him, Henri, and um, Messi as the front three. But like we said, he was world class established already. Like there would have been stuff that Messi would have taken from Samuel Eto. I'm sure it was vice versa as well. But I think we need to put respect on the previous greats as well, while acknowledging just how great Messi is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it says here in the article that Eto played there for five years. He won the league of three times and the Champions League twice. Like yeah, that, football, come on, man! And a lot of that was down to him putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. No, I like Eto, man. He gives a good interview, and um, yeah. But I think he went on throughout the interview to also praise Messi and sort of so it can't can't read anything too into it. But but you want your strikers, you want your players to think you know that they're the best. So big up Samuel Eto. Right, talking of Barcelona, some of the big guns. Barcelona, Juventus, and Real Madrid have vowed to carry on with plans for a European Super League after winning an important court battle with UEFA. A court in Madrid has ruled the governing body's disciplinary procedures against the founding 12 clubs of the proposed break, breakaway league must be scrapped, while the case will be assessed by the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg. Um, it looks like this thing isn't going away, guys. Um, those clubs uh, that were mentioned, as long as the other clubs in England and in Spain uh, were handed in a £7 million uh, around a £7 million fine by UEFA and fined 5% of their prize money for taking part. Um, do you think we'll ever see a Super League, a breakaway league of the, of the so-called big guns? I hope we don't. It's ruining football. I think that, you know, after the outrage from the fans, a lot of clubs realised that, you know, our fans are just not going to let us get away with this. So that's why they dropped out. They would love to be in there and to get that Super League money, but their fans are just not going to let them do it. So I think it's a good thing that Power to the People was established in football because it is the people's game, really. Come on, man. That's all we've got. Um, so but with these with these particular clubs, I think these clubs are, are really in financial trouble, man. I think Real Madrid, Juventus and Barcelona... There has been talk that all of them individually have had their struggles with finances recently. Um, Real Madrid letting go players like uh, Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane. What, do you not have money to offer them big contracts anymore? Barcelona have, having a bit of a rebuild at the moment. Um, I mean, I think they need this Super League money. And with the other teams that have pulled out, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the future. Um, but, you know, maybe it's going to be a situation where they recruit some lesser teams to fill out the spaces in this Super League. And then you just have, you know, Juventus and Real Madrid and, and Barcelona whipping teams 4-0 every week until they play each other. I mean, ugh. I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a bit of a mess, to be honest. I think with so many other teams pulling out, they should have pulled out as well. But... They're uh, they're riding until the wheels fall off. Ash, <sighs> <laughs> no. The, the 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 issue I have with the Super League is just how everyone became so mobilised with it, and how everyone kind of united to kind of bring it down, and there was all of that. And I've always just said I want that same energy for racism. So mm. when it comes to the Super League, I really don't give I don't give two hoots about it to be honest. Like. 
football is all about is is about generating money. It's all of those kinds of things. If they want to get this through, it will come through eventually. But what I want to see is I want to see focused on things like oppression, on segregation, on 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 racism. They're the things that really mean a lot to me. So whether the Super League, the Champions League expanded after a certain, remember it was a European Cup, then it became the Champions League where two teams could get into it. Then it went to four teams. Like these things happen all the time. An issue that hasn't changed much is racism in football. So rather than me that talk lots and lots about the Super League and just putting more money in other people's pockets and taking more money out of my pocket, I want to talk about something that really that that I'd, I'd rather the energy goes towards racism. So what they'll do is what they'll do. Like they'll make it happen if they really want to make it happen. And if there's enough money in it, it will happen. Mm. Let's hope it don't. Let's hope it don't. Well said. Well said. Right. Um, I think that's it. Uh, my battery's mad low, so I'm just going to pass it on extra time. Any other news? Um, I did hear about uh, Inter Miami going through a bit of hardship with their, uh, at the minute with the fixtures and results. Cal, I don't know if you're keeping an eye on that. but No, I, I have let Miami go ever since they signed Ryan Shawcross. No, um, I, I've actually been all over the place, you know, Olympics. We've got other sports on at the moment and stuff. And a few other things going on in life. But I will be getting back on my uh, my MLS and Miami hype soon enough. Nice, nice, nice. Ash, uh, any other business? Extra time? No, I'm good. Wicked, wicked. So you've been listening to the Play On podcast, myself, Ben, with Ash and Cal, as always. We've covered a whole host of news ranging from the Arsenal friendly with Chelsea and sort of plan, uh, plans to have fans come back into the stadium, the Olympic Games, we've had um, the sad passing of Ajax young player and Terry Cooper heading the ball, USA women's team getting paid equal rights uh, issue at the minute, we've got European Super League, Samuel Eto'o, um, Ashley Cole, uh, Cashley, Cashley coach to Cole or whatever you want to say it uh, transfer news amongst other banter don't forget to hit us up on all streaming platform podcasts share with your friends make sure you write a comment go tell everyone and big up all the other podcasters that are doing it you know it's a big space so good luck to everyone out there um, I'm going to say goodbye for myself peace goodbye for me too have a good week <laughs>